Hey, history lovers, I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. From New York City, Mr. Charles Van Doren. In late November of 1956, an English professor named Charles Van Doren was introduced to the nation on the TV quiz show 21. And returning with $69,500 from Forest Hills, New York, Mr. Herbert Stemple. Van Doren's opponent, Herb Stemple, was the game show's unbeatable champion, the Ken Jennings of the 1950s. Van Doren, he was an unlikely guy to become famous. He was a quiet academic. He didn't even own a television. But that first night on 21, during the heyday of TV quiz shows, catapulted Van Doren into the world of celebrity and later, scandal. A year before Van Doren stepped foot on the game show set, he was teaching at Columbia University. He had spent his life in academia, making $4,400 a year. But one day, at a party, Van Doren met a TV producer named Albert Friedman. Friedman saw the tall, lanky, urbane academic and the potential for stardom. NBC had tasked Friedman with finding a contestant who could beat long-running 21 champ Herb Stemple. Stemple was a walking library from the Bronx who wore a tight haircut and bad suits. It would be a ratings bonanza if someone took him down. Friedman convinced Van Doren to come on the show, and he made him a promise, a promise that threw Van Doren's life and the game show world into chaos. He'd help Van Doren beat Stemple, I swear to you, Friedman said, no one will ever know. Friedman's cheating method was as simple as it was dastardly. Before each taping, Friedman fed Van Doren the answers and a general script. Van Doren carefully manufactured the whole act, sometimes answering tentatively. Because of a disagreement with his commanding general, Ulysses Grant was virtually placed under arrest for a brief time early in 1862. Who was the commanding general of the Union Army at that time? Oh, yes. um, I know his name just as well as... uh, Halleck. General H.W. Halleck. You're right, and you have eight points. Other times, hedging and playing dumb, getting answers wrong on purpose. For nine points, name the three heavyweight champions immediately preceding Joe Lewis. Yes. Well... Uh, either Max Schmeling or Primo Carnera. Let's see. Uh, uh, either Schmeling. Was it Schmeling? No, I'm sorry. It was Primo Carnera. After three matchups ended in a tie, Van Doren finally did it. He beat Stemple. And he kept his champion seat until the following March. Altogether, Van Doren won a then staggering amount of money. Back then, in the days when TVs began taking over American living rooms, the pressure for hit shows was relentless. 21 was not conceived as a rigged show, but the producers made it one to keep it on the air. One sponsor was said to have called a producer after a lackluster show and demanded improvements. Do whatever you have to do, and you know what I'm talking about, the sponsor said. 
by the late 1950s, Congress started to get suspicious about game show cheating and convened hearings. 21 became ensnared after another former contestant, James Snodgrass, provided letters with the questions and correct answers that were mailed to him before an episode. Van Doren had previously denied cheating before grand jury, but he confessed before the Congressional Committee in 1959. He was one of several people associated with 21 who pleaded guilty to misdemeanor perjury. Van Doren received a suspended sentence and resigned from Columbia University. NBC, which had given him a $150,000 contract to discuss poetry on air, fired him too. The quiz show scandal became fodder for the country's imagination. Viewers wondered what else on TV was fake. Were all game shows rigged? Could the public trust what they were seeing on their TV screens? The scandal was so intriguing and so enduring that it became the basis for the 1994 movie Quiz Show. Ralph Fiennes played Van Doren and Robert Redford directed the film. Van Doren was never entirely forthcoming about why he agreed to be on a rigged show. He said he had a hard time extracting himself from his celebrity and wealth. But he was certain, in the end, of one thing. I have deceived my friends, he said back then, and I had millions of them. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. This episode was adapted from an obituary written by David Marino Notchison for the Washington Post. For more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod. <laughs>